Live from New York, it's Saturday night. It's Saturday Night Live. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 43, Episode 2 of Saturday Night Live with host Gal Gadot and musical guest Sam Smith. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is comedy aficionado and all-around swell dude Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, or rather, Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Okay, so we are light on SNL news this week, but our listeners did have plenty of thoughts about Gal Gadot's outing. So let's run through a little bit of feedback. Sounds good. Colt Smetsvin has checked in and says, as I'm sure we all know, English is not Gal Gadot's first language, and she has almost no experience with live performances. Given all of that, were you guys impressed or disappointed by her overall performance? The fact that they tailored you know, a lot of the sketches to, to cater to that uh, characteristic of hers. It may have limited what they could do, but they could definitely, you know, use her for things like, you know, like a villain character. Right. Things where, where an accent like that would, would actually benefit. Sure. So I think they definitely worked around uh, her, her accent and her, uh, her foreignness, <laughs> sure. for lack of a better term. Yeah, I think they really kind of... Uh, took ownership of it, right? They, they brought it out in the monologue and made sure that it was something that they were acknowledging right out of the gate. Um, by doing that, they kind of let everyone in on it and made it kind of a, a fun aspect of the show rather than a liability. So uh, this, this was not a, a problem at all for me. I thought she did really good. I, th- I think that she was a surprisingly strong host considering that this was her first time and she, you know, had some things that we would have assumed might've been liabilities. It, it really, it really wasn't a problem. Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely right. (laughs) All right. So agent Panda has checked in and says Godot was incredibly capable for a first time hostess. It just seems nothing was especially memorable or even engaging about this episode. I'm worried personally that SNL is falling into old habits after a U.S. election year ratings and quality drop dramatically in almost a predictable way. Uh, do we agree with this? Do we feel like there's a, a noticeable drop off in the quality of the show right now, Steve? We are seeing a, a bit of a dip in quality. It does tend to correlate with uh, new cast members, new writers. Um, you know, whenever there's a shakeup in staff, it doesn't necessarily mean that they replace the ones who left with the wrong people mm-hmm. or the people who left, you know, took what was making the show work with them. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's just about, relearning how this machine is going to work with a couple of new parts in it. Yeah. So I think maybe a couple more episodes, the new writers will find their voice. Plus the writers will find out how they can better serve the new cast members. Mm -hmm. There's, there's some learning to be done for sure. Yeah. Some things need to gel for a little bit. That's true. Got to gel. We are only two episodes in, so we don't want to assume that we've seen enough to really draw some hard conclusions, but I'm on board with uh, Agent Panda. Um, I was feeling a little apprehensive after this episode, feeling like uh, we had Kelly and Schneider exit, and uh, it, it it seems like the tone of the show, or just some of the some of the the fun of last season, it, it felt like there was a there was a hole, there was something something missing, and I was I felt like I was picking up on it, 
And I don't want to kind of, like you said, be too quick to, to presume anything. Cause sometimes it just takes time for people to step up and, and really, you know, find the, the right way to run at the show. You know, the, the writers aren't going to be amazing <laughs> SNL writers day one, you know, they have talent, but it takes time to really learn how to thrive in that environment. So we may just see uh, a little bit of rebuilding and a little bit of ramping up over the next several episodes. And hopefully we get back to a place where it feels like the show is really confident in what they're putting forward. I'm just, I'm not quite getting that yet. And uh, so I think it's, it is definitely something that's worth uh, uh, keeping an eye on. (laughs) Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Now, actually the other part of that though, is the crazy world that we live in through SNL, a big curve this week too, right? It's a little hard to make comedy in the midst of, another huge tragedy, um, you know, in the wake of the uh, Las Vegas shooting. So there's going to be obviously some, some weighty things on people's minds at the show, right? They're not necessarily going to be in the same frame of mind as they would on an otherwise upbeat week. So we might've been seeing a little bit of that uh, seep into the show too, where just maybe, you know, people weren't feeling as funny as they, you know, would, we'd hope them to be. So maybe a lot going on that was dragging this show down, but agent Panda, I don't think you're wrong. I think there's definitely something uh, noticeably weak about uh, where the show's at as of right now. And hopefully it won't stay that way much longer. <laughs> we have, we definitely hope for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that is some downer feedback. <laughs> let's pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, yeah. Let's, let's jump into our episode recap. See if there's anything redeeming about this show. So cold open. Uh, they switch it up. Obviously they take a more somber tone because, uh, there's a need to acknowledge, you know, what's been going on in the States over the last week. So Jason Aldean comes out to perform. I won't back down in tribute to Tom Petty, as well as the victims of the recent shooting in Las Vegas. So, uh, was this the right way to kick off the show, Steve? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I find SNL always has a knack for taking a tasteful approach whenever a tragedy strikes. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jason Aldean, I don't know if he wrote that intro himself or I don't know who prepared that for him, but it was definitely a great statement to make Sure, that, you know, this isn't something that's going to break us. We're going to persevere. Right. And that dovetailed really nicely into the song that they chose, which it's, it's amazing that sometimes these things just kind of fall into place the way they do. Um, it's obviously a tragedy that Tom Petty died, but could there be a more fitting song for, for this situation? Like uh, just <laughs> as, as far as the show is concerned, like it, it really is a bit of serendipity that they had an opportunity to pay tribute to both of these situations with one very, very fitting song that I, I think just really struck a, a stunningly clear <laughs> tone for, for what they were trying to do. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what they could have done better for this. It's, it's a hard line to walk and SNL is really good at doing it. Yeah. Let's take a look at the monologue. Gal Gadot has an accent. What do we think? Did this set the show off right? It did. It did. For sure. Okay. Just hearing Gal acknowledge it and know that that's something she's got to work around. You know, it it tells the audience we're aware of it. (laughs) We're all working together to make it work with what we got. You know, have a good time. Yeah. In PR terms, she got ahead of it. She got ahead of it. She owned it. Totes. Yeah. 
I was actually really, really surprised with how much I enjoyed Gal Gadot's presence when she came out and she landed that first joke. You know, everybody knows I'm not from around here. I'm from Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. She, she really hit that joke. Like just right. She really, uh, we saw a couple hosts last year that really couldn't land a, a joke as simple as that, but she landed it and got the laugh. And sometimes it's just that first impression. It's that first joke that that's what I'm watching for to to relax and say, okay, this person, this person can carry it. This person has a presence. This person has a spark that's going to help make the show a little better. And that was, you know, that was when I started to feel good about Gal Gadot as a host. And uh, she really didn't disappoint. But actually, before we put a bookend on the monologue, Leslie comes out to uh, give her a little bit of back and forth as the Times Square Wonder Woman, her her low rent equivalent, who feels that she is just as worthy of the praise of inspiring young women as Gal Gadot is. Yeah, I love that. Our character, Wonder Woman. Yes, exactly. She's more than happy to bask in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I didn't think it needed to be there. I thought Gal Gadot was handling herself as an individual, as like a legitimate, just come out and talk to the audience monologue. I didn't think she needed backup. So even though this was fun and it, you know, it, it ate up another minute of screen time and landed a few good jokes, it didn't move me one way or another. I, the monologue overall made me happy because Gal Gadot did everything she needed to do. And this was just, you know, take it or leave it for me. Yeah. Okay. She did it all. All right. Now, after that, we get a pre-tape. E's new fall lineup with uh, several shows <laughs> of various quality. Uh, the The highlight being that this is really... Kendall Jenner's network at this point, <laughs> you know, there's no shortage of reality shows that are essentially just watching her and her insipid peers, uh, sitting around being privileged. It's pretty much an accurate, slightly exaggerated portrayal of what ease become. Not too exaggerated. <laughs> That's yeah. Slightly is the key term, but yeah, I felt like this was a little bit uninspired in parts. Nothing was really belly laugh worthy. Yeah. More than anything, I think what this really was, was just a, an easy way to get some of the impressions that people already sort of had sorted out on screen. If, if there's one thing that I think made me happy about it, it was just that a lot of the featured players were prominently featured in it, which is, is charming at this point. Like that's what I'm looking to see. So anytime they're up on screen and it's a fresh face doing something fresh and you're, you're getting a sense of, oh, okay, you know, they've got a little bit of impression ability or, you know, they're okay. I, I see a little bit of, of what could make them great on the show starting to emerge. That to me is fun, but the piece overall was, yeah, take it or leave it. It wasn't bad. It, it was amusing, but it wasn't fantastic. Yeah, and we got our first glimpse of Luke Null. Yeah. And it was nice because they gave him an impression to do, something that had humor in it. He wasn't right. just a waiter or a busboy. <laughs> yes. You know, he had he had something to, you know, something comedic mm-hmm. to put into it, not just, you know, an extra with a, a throwaway line. So that's a, a great way to be introduced. You know, it's an episode late, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can see myself enjoying this guy's work for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think we forget that Melissa Villasenor, even though she's been around for a season, she's still a featured player and she's still uh, scrapping, like trying to find, you know, opportunities to get on screen. So I think uh, tonight in general was a pretty good showing for her, but this was our first opportunity to see a new impression from her that I don't think we've seen before. So um, it was, yeah, it, it had a few little moments that, that were uh, enjoyable just cause yeah, any, anything that lets uh, some, the up and comers uh, show off their, their chops works for me. Moving on, we get a live sketch. The juice is loose and looking for love. <laughs> this one caught me off guard. 
Yeah. Can't say I saw, saw where it was going until the name was dropped. Well, that's half the joke, right? That's exactly why they set it up and let it linger that way to make it that much more satisfying when they reveal who he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, it's like, why is it important that this woman was kind of removed from the rest of the world's news in Bosnia? <laughs> That's going to come into play somehow. Yeah, it wasn't until second viewing that all those little hints that they dropped made sense. The first time through, it's just banter. You can't connect it to anything. But yeah, the second time through, you realize, yeah, he's scheming. He's trying to find out if she knew anything about the trial of the century or not. So yeah, yeah. that was that was smart. I liked it. And I knew something was up because it, like it was like, why are they picking Keenan? <laughs> to be Gal Gadot's date. No offense to the guy. Sure. But yeah, and and like give him a receding hairline. I figured he must be playing somebody. Right. I just can't figure out who it is. But yeah, definitely makes sense now in hindsight. Yeah, this is a perfect little sketch. This is what I like. They were smart in how they revealed it and built it up. Uh, once they did reveal it, there was just enough back and forth to keep it moving and fun. Like they found all of the the best jokes to punctuate it with before they got out and uh didn't overstay its welcome so it did it ticked all the three boxes it was fresh it had a fun take it landed as many good jokes as i wanted for that kind of material and then it figured out how to get get out and uh that worked for me yeah chris red my man small little part. <laughs> yeah. my man that was just that was pitch perfect yeah just a small little thing and he he was able to to really put a uh a good spin on it. Yep. It was fun. All of the jokes landed the way they were supposed to, and the reveal was satisfying. So yeah, it ticked, it ticked all the boxes. I thought it was good. Yes. Uh, moving on. Chad, the chosen one is quested to save the inhabitants of a mythical land. We get a third outing with Chad, the, uh, brain dead slacker. <laughs> How do we get three sketches out of a character? This <laughs> blank yeah. but maybe that's it it's it's a, a blank canvas that you could throw anything onto it and that's that's exactly what they've proved here right the last two times it was really just a, a one-sided love story that he was oblivious as a participant in um, but this time they actually they mixed it up they found they found that you can throw chad into pretty much anything and it's fun to see him not be able to keep pace with the world around him and uh i liked it i thought it i thought it held up for a third outing which i was really surprised by yeah it's still that concept of something that should be taken much more seriously than Chad is capable, <laughs> capable of doing. Of yep. And his total lack of uh, enthusiasm about it all is, is lost on the people <laughs> that's talking to him. Sure. They don't, they don't seem to realize until maybe when he actually leaves in mid sentence. <laughs> till he's walking away on his quest. Uh, I think <laughs> Cecily started to realize, Oh crap, we are doomed. <laughs> if this is our last hope, we are screwed. Right. I do want to mention before we move on, uh, pretty good work on the whole fantasy visuals. Yeah. Some pretty good special effects. There were a few moments where the centaur legs <laughs> yes. were kind of uh, stilted and like moving a little bit too fast. It looked like, you know, bad video game graphics. I pegged it as they kind of had trouble aligning Keenan's upper body onto the plate, the, the the horse plate or whatever. Like it seemed like that was a little disjointed for a few frames here and there, but yeah <laughs> like that's it, 10 years ago not even an option not on the table you just couldn't do that at a at the kind of industrial level that they can now with snl so yeah 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 uh more often than not snl can do some pretty stunning work with their pre-tapes and yeah this this is a good example of that definitely moving on two stranded cameramen experience very different mirages thoughts yeah i'm gonna go ahead and call this a mediocre sketch <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yeah, it was uh, a 
couple of moments that I thought were funny. Most of what I liked about this sketch came from uh, Mikey and Kyle. Yeah. As the Jamba Juice guys. Uh, other than that, this seemed kind of lazy and uh, it could have been improved upon in, in many ways. Yeah. This, uh, this was definitely a miss for me. I did not enjoy this at all. I felt like not only was it not terribly inspired, I, I felt like the direction that they took it was really cheap in a couple ways. I didn't like the idea that this felt kind of like a, an easy way to sort of sexualize the host and kind of just get some, some cheap thrills out of that. And it also seemed like a really poor use of Leslie. We get enough of the, you know, loud in your face version of Leslie that I don't, I don't want them to go back to that when, when they don't need to. I I just think it's just a really cheap use of her. And I, I think that, there's better things we could be using her for. So there was just a lot about this that I, I felt really was just annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so this was, this was the first thing that really, uh, really had me scratching my head because it's been a long time since we've had a sketch that I felt was an end to end misfire. There's some that are a little clunky and a little middle of the road, but this one I felt just really bottomed out. Unfortunately. Yeah. So we got another pre-tape. Safe light auto glass prides itself on its exceptionally personal customer service. There's a lot to like about this one. I like the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty funny concept. You know, the, the safe light guy abusing his job to, you know, get closer to an inappropriately younger, <laughs> you know, schoolgirl. No, no, she's tall. She's practically a grown woman. <laughs> she's practically a grown woman. Yeah, it was uh, like... As as good as that concept was, and as funny as that would have been to explore, uh, I think you know it kind of uh, stalled a bit on the execution. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It did have its funny moments, and and they did you know tap into that the the discomfort of it all. But I felt like they were, I don't know, just gliding over those beats a little too too quickly or too subtly, I guess. Yep. And um, yeah, I felt like it didn't escalate at the right pace to to really capture as many laughs as that concept could have gotten. I think that's exactly the the right uh, assessment of this great concept. It started out a lot of fun. They, they really had something there and then it just felt like they didn't quite ascend it. And then it was a very abrupt exit that didn't really feel satisfying. So I felt like just when it was getting going, just when, you know, the gears were starting to turn and, and I'm, I'm buying into it. Uh, it all just kind of, you know, just fizzled out there. So I'm going to call it a marginal win just because there was enough fun stuff at the beginning that uh, it wasn't a loss. I, I had a, a few, you know, good chuckles. I thought that the girl's reactions, you know, when he, he shows his true colors there and he gives kind of a creepy smile. And then all of a sudden this bald guy goes from being completely harmless to being like a, a genuine threat. Like there was, there was a lot of performance and there was a lot of good things going on in that moment. And I think, you know, Melissa and 80 both kind of really had a, had a good way of, of uh, performing in that, in that moment, like performing that kind of situation. So there was some good stuff and just, it, yeah, we just didn't get enough of it. I, I wanted to see where else they could take it. If they could really get absurd or find a, a little bit more to dig into. And they just didn't get there with this. Yeah, might be an editing issue. Yeah, um, there's a there's a couple of ways that that could have been tweaked a bit to to work a little better. Yeah. Now, actually, this one was on the roster for last week and got cut from the live show. So, oh. if it was editing, you know, they've had a whole other week to maybe 
fine tune it. So I think this is probably the best that this sketch has ever been. I think this is just as far as they got. So it was probably just a matter of, uh, like we've talked about too many times in the past about kind of writing yourself into a corner where you have a fun idea, but then there's just no satisfying way to get out of it. And so, you know, it, it kind of thuds at the end. Um, this is probably an example of that. And that's probably why I didn't make the cut last week. And they just happened to be running short this week and knew that they could at least repurpose it and get a little bit of, <laughs> get a little bit of use out of it. But I, I don't think they had really high hopes for it because yeah. otherwise it, it would have shown up last week. Now, what, why did they make Beck bald anyway? I mean, when I saw him with the bald cap on, all I was expecting him when he opened his mouth was to say, well, I guess I have a problem with pornography. <laughs> yeah, you thought they were going to resurrect Stav D for another go round. Stav D. <laughs> uh, kind of glad they didn't. I don't think we needed another outing with Stav D. Yeah, that's a good one off. Let's yeah. keep it that way. So why don't we get off of Safe Light Autoglass and talk a little bit about Sam Smith. He performs two songs, uh, Too Good for Goodbyes and his second song, Pray. How are we feeling about Sam Smith? Sam Smith. What a voice. What a guy. <laughs> Very talented fella. This is one of those artists that I don't listen to on the regular, but I'm happy to see him on SNL. Sure. Like, I never went out and started buying up uh, <laughs> Sam Smith tapes when he first came on on the Louis C.K. episode, but thought it was great. And whenever I hear his name announced to perform, I'm not groaning. I'm not rolling my sure. eyes. I'm saying, great. That's a good choice. Looking forward to it. Good. Uh, what do you think of the actual songs? Did either of them like move you in particular? Was there one that you really thought was a, a good moment? Uh, second, the second song, Pray. Right. Love that choir, that that full, sure. you know, chamber choir. Really, really, uh, really tied the room together, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you, you were warm on Sam Smith. I can get behind that. Um, yeah, I like it. It wasn't super memorable. Like, I'm not a big Sam Smith fan, but uh, I respected it. Like, he has a really good voice. He has a, a, a really controlled uh, upper register and falsetto and a really kind of like smooth transition between those. So I could respect the performance of it and the talent that he has. And so I, I really kind of was engaged by that, but you know, overall it's just, it's not really something I spent too much time listening to. So there's not a, a whole lot of <laughs> whole lot of analysis I can offer, but yeah, it was fine. It was, it was perfectly fitting for the show. I liked it. Yep. Hey guys. I want to jump out of the cast for just a minute to talk about some of the fun rewards we're offering to our listeners through Patreon. If you're not aware, patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash SNL podcast is where our most awesome listeners can pledge their support for the show and in turn receive a variety of patron only rewards. Patrons can pledge as little as a dollar per month, but by far the most popular pledge level is our $4 per month featured player tier. So why would you want to become a featured player? Well, as you may be aware, our podcast episodes tend to drop on Wednesdays, though we are working very hard on getting them out sooner. However, as a featured player, you'll get ad-free rough cuts of every new episode immediately after we record them on Sunday nights. These ad-free rough cuts contain 20 plus minutes of additional show content that isn't included in the final release. You'll hear additional news and feedback topics, way more of Steve's lame jokes, and you'll also get the more controversial and uninformed opinions that I edit out of the final cast to make us sound way smarter than we actually are. Plus, you'll never have to listen to me read an ad like this one. So, if you're enjoying our show and you'd like to get more of it sooner, consider becoming one of our featured player patrons. To learn more, head over to snlafterparty.fm forward slash support. Now, before I go, I just want to quickly give a shout out to Will from London, England 
who was one of our very first patrons. Will, thank you so much for your support. Now, back to the show. Uh, okay, weekend update. Jost and Che come out uh, pretty furious this week. They are all about gun control. To the point where their Trump bashing actually felt lighthearted and fun. <laughs> so what's your take on the opening salvo? I wondered what they were going to do because I got a little bit nervous when I saw that first graphic go up, you know, Las Vegas shooting. I'm like, what? Are you going to start telling jokes? Where's the joke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they removed it once and, and made it about gun control. Right. And just basically talking about what that event has has been the catalyst for exactly it was also putting everything in perspective in a, in a way that you know it was digestible okay all right um i totally understand why most americans and obviously the people at snl why that issue obviously is front and center it's what people are talking about because you can't help but talk about it after you have a tragedy like you had in in uh, las vegas so it's obvious why this was in the show I personally didn't want it. Yes, there's there's a place for debate on the issue. And yes, SNL has every right to weigh in on it. Um, I like Weekend Update when it is squarely comedy first, political commentary second. If they can find a really, really funny joke that has a really strong message, that is that, that rare gem of a joke. Um, when they find those and work it in, great, I'll eat it up. But when the agenda is front and center, like here are the points that we want to make. This is our point of view. This is our perspective. And can we string them into some jokes? Can we, can we find a little joke to punctuate the end of our, our pontificating on this topic? I don't find that as much fun to watch. I get it. They're passionate. They want to say something. I don't mind politics. I don't mind really clever takes on it. I just didn't want a long rant that was masquerading as comedy. And I kind of felt like this was too much direct political messaging and the jokes were secondary. Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's my one critique. Yeah. I wouldn't want this all the time, but I think we can make exceptions here with just the sheer weight of, of what we're talking about. And, and again, that's why I say, I understand why it's there and it isn't even the subject matter. Like obviously, you know, that you want to have a point of view, have a point of view just to me, it doesn't generate the best comedy. And because of that, if I'm going to be basing my critique of SNL primarily around whether I'm laughing, you know, whether I'm having fun with something, this just isn't as fun for me because it's, it's, I feel it's too heavy to build good comedy around, but it's up to them to to strike that balance. And like you said, on a week like this, they must've felt not only is it something they wanted to say, but it's something that people would want to hear. They wouldn't have put it up if they didn't feel like their audience was going to connect with it. And, uh, you know, we'll find out what people actually have to say about it, but it just wasn't what I was hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you can think that way. Sure. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Yeah. There was a time when Lauren Michaels had all these really clever sound bites about how SNL's view of politics is it's a joke first, right? Like if they're, if they're sitting there mulling over whether a joke should get into the show, it has to be funny first. And it was always something that I think, you know, they'd butt heads with Al Franken over where, or Jim Downey, where they'd have a strong political message that they'd want to build into the show. And the deciding factor was always, does it play as a joke? It can have the message, but it has to be a joke first. And because the world is so crazy right now, I feel like they're kind of lowering their bar as far as 
the caliber of the comedy that they'll let into the show for the sake of saying things that everyone is just really passionate about. Mm. So I, I get it. I just don't think it's the best comedy. You get it. <laughs> All right. You, you so want to be past this issue. <laughs> let's, let's move on to Kate McKinnon as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she is back to discuss the appointment of Neil Gorsuch. What, what makes it really funny is, is just knowing how old Ruth Bader Ginsburg is and this, this, caricature of her that Kate does is just so full of youth. Yes. <laughs> you young energy. And it's, yes. <laughs> it's half the stuff that she does in her little dance moves, I think would, would probably break Killer. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would break Ruth in half for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's part of the charm of it. And <laughs> I really enjoyed the, uh, the ad lib that came up. Oh, when the glasses, when she lost her glasses. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. That was good. They both had an ad lib mm-hmm. to throw in. What'd she say? Oh, my age yep. at my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really quick stuff and, and um, just seamless. Yep. My thought on it, what is SNL going to do when Kate leaves? Like you look at something like this, it's throwaway material. I have no idea what she's talking about, nor do I care, right? Nor does the piece care, right? It's not even about the topic. It is purely a vehicle to get Kate behind the desk so that she can just bring her magic. She can just, without a, a second's hesitation, jump out of her seat do her crazy dance moves, which are all very, you know, precise and funny just in the way that she's moving her body. She can bring all of that to the performance and just land it a hundred percent throwaway material, nothing special about it, but she makes it special and not every performer can do that. And, uh, the show, oh man, the show is definitely going to be hurting when they don't have Kate to just run one into the end zone when they need it. Yeah, they better find someone who's absolutely dynamite before she leaves. Yep, because <laughs> that's so easy to do, right? <laughs> it's so easy to find the next uh, Kristen Wiig or Kate McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 totally something that they have any control over. Yeah, just go on and get another one. Yeah, yeah. Get another Kate. <laughs> Grab two. Grab two. We can use two. <laughs> Put one in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Pete Davidson is back to share his thoughts on mental health. You know, it's no secret that many comedians do suffer from mental health issues, depression, anxiety. Uh, something about that disposition makes you attuned to to find the comedy in things. I guess it's very true. Is it's a survival tactic? Yeah. So it's funny because the whole thing just turned into a an excuse for um, <laughs> for a free pass to get more sketches on. <laughs> exactly. Which is what you would expect from the slacker millennial, right? To find a way to take adversity and turn it into a reason to be able to slack off even more. Yeah. And just half-ass the effort yep. to boot, like can't <laughs> even think of a doctor's name. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good. Pete, his last couple outings, they've both been hits for me. I think he's, uh, he's actually kind of ripening with age a little bit here and that's good to see. Yeah, totally. Yep. Back half of the show. Let's do it. Storybook classics, the maiden and the mice. Definitely uh, in the same vein as like Denny the Real, mm-hmm. um, you know, holding uh, certain tropes in fairy tales and stories uh, under scrutiny. Right. And, uh, you know, seeing how it falls apart. Sure. And how like, you know, logically, maybe this is probably how it would go in a more realistic <laughs> setting. In a more realistic setting with talking mice, they probably wouldn't be as good as seamstresses as they were in the real Cinderella. Well, Kyle put it best. It's like, it's amazing that we did that much yes. as mice. <laughs> this took us like nine hours, which is like, <laughs> we gave you our twenties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah it, it had a few fun observations. I'll give it that. Like it was a, a good 
concept and the mice, the, the quips that the mice threw out, that was a lot of fun. Um, like a lot of the material tonight, I don't think it quite had itself fully figured out. I, I don't really understand the Prince Charming ending of it. Like that felt a little tacked on or I don't know that, that, that didn't feel like a satisfying way to conclude it. But if we're just kind of looking at the amusement of hearing the, the mice perspective on this situation, there was a few laughs there and I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Like this was just like one joke that was stretched out with a bunch of like curb your enthusiasm style <laughs> minutia. Sure. And uh, I think they messed up a couple of cues for the, the special effects, the green screen stuff with the mice. Yeah. With the, the, whatever the, the screen coming out so she can change clothes. Yeah. That's, that's where things got a little bit wonky, but right. You know, mistakes happen. Yep. 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 Moving on. A spy's internet connection is disrupted by a couple of raunchy webcam girls. Uh, this is some somewhere in the vein of backpack fashion show, if you ask me. But what what what's your take? Why does this exist? Um, some people are into some weird stuff, man. <laughs> sure. Like it's not far off from what actually does have a market in the uh, webcam business. Well, you are the authority on that topic. So if you say that this, this played very true, then I'll, I'll have to take your word for that. Yes. Having spent hours <laughs> of research in preparation. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's over the top and, and yeah, the, the trashiness is, is definitely lampooned. Right. If you will. But yeah, there's some truth to it. Okay. This was my second big misfire of the night. I didn't like it. Uh, Cecily's Characters seem to be just a rehash of Kathy Ann with a different wig. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too. But also it was just kind of a convoluted idea. We've got the super spy on Skype or whatever, and there's miscommunication and all of that. Like it just the back and forth of it where she's mishearing them and then they're mishearing her. And then the webcam girls come in. There was just a lot going on. And it, it, because there was so much of that back and forth, it didn't leave a whole lot of room for anything to really build and get terribly funny. I just felt I felt it was just, yeah, too, too complicated and too convoluted. And it wasn't a really great premise. The only thing I really liked about it was I thought it had a really great moment where the girls get the money, right? Like that caught me off guard when, Oh, the 40 million. Yeah. Yeah. When the transfer goes through to their little, uh, their little tip jar that I thought was a really good moment. I think that's probably what they were hoping the whole sketch would hang on. I just, I think there was a whole lot of clutter surrounding that one fun moment. So for me, not a win. Yeah. It was a bit crowded. I don't know why they needed two technicians. Sure. You know, I hate to say it, but they could have cut Luke Null out of the sketch. <laughs> I'm glad he made it. I'm glad they didn't have that notion because you're right. They could have condensed it, but it's good. He, he needed screen time. We were happy to see him. So I'm not going to harp on that in particular. I guess that's the reason. <laughs> oh, let's give him a couple of lines. Sure. We get another live sketch in the back half. Two lesbians are disappointed to learn that the women of Themyscira are not playing for their team. This is our obligatory Wonder Woman sketch of the night. We knew it was going to happen. Was this a fun run at Wonder Woman? I've, I've never seen the movie, so I don't know if, if it was really that, you know, sapphic or uh, homoerotic. <laughs> no, 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 that's not the joke. The joke is that they just came ashore thinking that they'd found, you know, paradise and they can't catch a break. Even the two girls that are obviously on the verge of flirting with some homoerotic, uh, activities, they can't even realize that like these, these lesbians are just left without a paddle, yeah. so to speak. 
Water, water everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't, I don't think we need to dig too deep on it. I don't think you even have to have seen Wonder Woman to understand that. No, this is just, yeah, this should be uh, a dream come true for a couple of lesbians, and uh, they just they 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 couldn't uh, <laughs> couldn't lock it down. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Kate hated that kiss. Yeah, yeah. The other angle to this is you could. I don't, I don't think this is what they were going for, but you could just sum it up as this is another like bro centric sketch where how can we get some kind of lesbian kiss on air here with Gal Gadot? If, if that was any part of the thinking of the writing process, then I'm not too cool with that. Like, I feel like that's kind of cheap. Um, but I, I think, I think this was probably something that Kate McKinnon was probably on board with and probably participated in crafting. So I'm going to assume that this was meant to be material catering to a lesbian audience. And uh, (laughs) for that reason, there's very little that I can contribute to the conversation. So I'm just going to assume that their intended audience probably was amused by this. Um, But for me, there just wasn't really anything I could latch onto uh, aside from, you know, the bro aspects that (laughs) uh, I'm going to pretend that I'm above. (laughs) (laughs) 10 to 1 sketch. A wayward, straw-addicted youth is saved by a little tough love. I thought this was kind of fun. Yeah? Yeah, this was a decent 10 to 1 sketch. It had some weird choices on how to fill in between the lines. Sure. Would love to know where they got that whole straw idea. (laughs) It's just so random and weird. I would be willing to bet that this is a character that Heidi Gardner had workshopped in her improv days. Like, I think this is something she brought to the show. I don't know that for a certainty, but this felt like there was too much specificity in it. And for them to be willing to give a role like this, like a leading role that required a lot of characterization to a newbie. I I can't see that happening unless they brought it to the table and they showed that they had this character already dialed in. So I I think this was her baby. Yeah. That's my hunch. No, I figured she was the, the one to spearhead this whole sketch. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a really great showcase for her talents. Yep. And it's good to get this out of the way early because like Alex Moffat, it took us a while to see what makes him special and why he's on the show right. and, and why he's a good fit. Now we see it now for sure, but um, it can be uh, it can be tough if, you know, if you're just getting, you know, random lines or just filler characters and you don't actually show how you're actually funny. Like the craft that you have honed exactly. yep. is, is sitting on the back burner waiting for it's opportunity to come out. Yeah. You need a few breakout moments. You need to really be able to showcase something special. Yeah. So this is two episodes in and Heidi Gardner basically got to lead a sketch, which that's, that's good for featured player. That's a, that's a good showing for her tonight. So I agree with you. I think this was a good sketch. I think it, it it sagged a little bit in the middle. Like there, there was a, a few beats that lost a little bit of energy, but she was able to come off sympathetic. Like she really won over the audience. Like when she goes, daddy, like when she, when she, uh, turns and stops being the rebellious youth and starts being a sympathetic character. She really was able to, to play the crowd a little bit and, and get those aww moments. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I loved that, that she got that. So that was, and, and the conceptually, I thought it was a, a fun idea too. So this was a win for me. Yes. Off the straws. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, 80. <laughs> the side piece. <laughs> yeah. As the downtrodden mom, that's just willing to accept whatever fate is handed her. Uh, she played that really well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff for me tonight. Looked like she was actually crying there at the beginning. Like <laughs> yeah. I could see the, um, like the tears in her eyes. It was 
good acting on her part. She is a good actress. She really is. She really is. Yeah. So much of what they give her on the show tends to be a little broad and raunchy and she, because she's a little fearless, they give her some stuff that doesn't always showcase what she can do, but yeah, she's a good performer. She's a very good player on the show. So that's our rundown moment of the night. It was, it was a really small little minor moment, but it was in the, the chosen one pre-tape uh, when the Minotaur gives him uh, or, or is he a Minotaur or a Centaur? A centaur. A minotaur has a head of a bull. Oh, okay. So this, <laughs> okay. Glad you're here. Yep. <laughs> My favorite part was when the centaur gives Chad this map and tells him how many like, centaurs died to get it made. <laughs> and then it immediately blows away in the wind. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. There was a lot of good moments in that. Yeah. I'm going to give it to the OJ reveal. Ah. They spent so much time building up that scene and keeping you guessing about what, what's the joke here? You know, where are we going with this? That when it got to the point that she says his name and asks, you know, is, is that your real name? And all the pieces just tumble into place. Like everything that happened in the sketch before that, all of a sudden it has new context and everything makes sense. And the whole sketch just lights up. Yeah. That was, that was a fun moment. I really thought that that brought the sketch to life. And that's why that sketch was a win was because they unraveled it in such a satisfying way. Yeah. And it was so great looking back at all those qualifying questions. <laughs> yep. It's like, so yeah, that was, that pretty much dominated the news in the nineties, right? Yeah. Okay, good. We're, we're safe. Yeah. Do you ever Google the people that you go out with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was good. It was good. It was a really, really smart way to, to unroll it. And, and that made it that much more satisfying when you get the joke. Uh, so that'll take it for me. How about your best overall sketch? I think it's uh, that same sketch that you just brought up. Yeah. Yeah, no controversy. I'm going with that too. That was definitely a good sketch that had few to no low points. Yep. Uh, That's my choice too. It was very well crafted, but also a very well performed sketch. Keenan played his part. Gal Gadot was surprisingly effective in her role. Uh, So again, this early in the show when we're wondering, you know, are these sketches going to feel a little flimsy with her there? Uh, This this gave me again, renewed confidence that she was going to be able to play her part. And uh, the whole thing just felt really, really good. When, when that ended, I was feeling good about the show. Yes. Yeah. I felt good too. Okay. Now MVP. I'm giving it to Pete. Really? Yeah. I'm giving it to Pete. I did not see that coming. Okay. So you're going to have to qualify that. What makes him the MVP? Cause you know that our listeners are going to be screaming at you for, for this call. This is not. I don't care. I hate them. <laughs> This is not the obvious call, so you're going to have to have to paint a picture here. Why is Pete the MVP? <laughs> his monologue his monologue at Weekend Update okay. was great. One of his best, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think this was his best outing as Chad in The Chosen One. <laughs> and maybe it's like it's, it's an easy win. You know, it's like, let's, okay. <laughs> I'm listening. The character of Chad is not like some kind of technical marvel of, of performance. <laughs> sure. A lot of people could probably pull off this role. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he's lucking in to this MVP award from me, Okay, but I can't deny how funny I find this, this sketch and this character All right. and the consistency of him throughout these different sketches. Sure. Sometimes it requires some brilliance to come off that dull. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree that the Chad sketches are a lot of fun and I agree that Pete is a critical part of that, right? Like there is performance there from him that is, is worth applauding, 
Uh, I don't think that that pushes him into MVP territory. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, I'm giving it to 80. I think this was her week. I think she was all over this episode. I think she played some really good support, had some really fun moments. And even the sketches that I thought fell kind of flat, like the, uh, the spy internet webcam girl thing. There were still a few moments in there where she had to, uh, just be given her all. Like one time she did some sort of pratfall or something like that. Like there's, there was still a lot that she was bringing, even if some of the sketches didn't quite hold up. And I think she's had two really good outings. I gave my MVP to Cecily last week, but I think 80 was keeping pace with her too last week. So for 80 to have two good weeks in a row and uh, to have as much screen time and, and just as much um, stabilizing influence on the show as she's had the last couple of weeks, I think that's worth a nod. So that's, that's getting it for me on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? Yeah. Sucks that I got to give it to like the second episode. Mm. I don't want to start out this way so soon, but this is going to hover around the, the week. Okay. It's like a week plus. But yeah, that's where it lands for me. Okay. I'm giving it a, a, a solid week, like a week minus. Oh, this is the, the first time in a long time, probably since Felicity Jones, that I think we were really getting close to something that might almost qualify as a train wreck. This wasn't a train wreck. It was still fun. I still enjoyed it. It had enough salvageable moments to offset some of the really weak material. But this was a show that, to me was demonstrating that SNL has some serious like rebuilding and fine tuning to do to really kind of ramp back up and get to where it was at the best of season 42. And that is a little bit worrisome. So if, if a show leaves me a little bit antsy, uh, I can't, uh, can't give it high marks. And this one started to make me ask some, some tough questions. Um, Gal Gadot, I thought was really, really good considering what, she had to work with. And I think that was incredibly surprising because I, I would have thought that this would have been a show where she was the weak link. And uh, I don't think it was her. I don't think it was her, but gets a week from me as well. So not much controversy there. Week to week. Okay. That's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early ad free access to each new episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Kumail Nanjiani and musical guest Pink. This has been episode number 30 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thanks to Sam Smith. for making this happen for me. Thank you so much to the amazing cast of SNL. It's been an incredible, incredible week. Thank you. Good night, everybody. So, uh, Amelia, what kind of name is that? Well, I'm originally from Bosnia, Herzegovina. Do you know of it? 
I think so. You guys had a big war there in the 90s, right? Yeah, yes, it was the war for independence. Yeah, so that probably dominated the news around there, huh? Oh, big time, yeah, of course. We were very, very isolated from the outside world. It was horrible. Well, I'm glad you survived, so I could meet you. <laughs> Me too. So, um, OJ, is that a nickname? <laughs> 